another episode of Block Talk presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Now is the time to help us out, and there are so many ways you can. Subscribe, leave us a review, share your favorite episode, become a sponsor, or do all of the above. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Michael Block Talk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She is a Boston-based drag queen and Chanteuse, who's a barber's son with a Judy Moon. Say hello to Patty Beret. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. How are you? My Instagram bio. I know. You know what? Sometimes, like, (laughs) I I, I get creatively stifled. I'm like, I don't know what to write. And then I just go on Instagram. Like, that's the bio I'm going to use because it's good. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Is that, like, a good representation of who you are, that little bio? I don't know what's a good representation uh i i don't that the barbara sun and judy moon a, occurred to me recently and i and i liked it i don't know if if anyone knows what i mean but maybe i, I think i think i think the gays have an idea <laughs> but i also feel like judy moon should be like a drag name judy moon one yeah. of sailor's younger sisters yeah there you go sound kind of kind of retro and right the name she could be mm-hmm. retro queen <laughs> well speaking of retro queens you definitely love that retro look i do yeah but we're yeah, gonna I love um hmm? yeah no go ahead uh whenever i need an idea for a new sack dress which is all i'm capable of sewing for myself <laughs> i just go to like the carol burnett show and pick a random episode and she wears like five stunning like triangle dresses throughout it <laughs> hey she's <laughs> a good inspiration well, I'm excited to talk about you and drag, but I like to start from the very beginning and ask, where are you from? I am, I was born in Hawaii. I was a bit of a military brat uh-huh. and we kind of ended up in Maryland for most of my childhood. We lived like in central Maryland, 20 minutes outside of Baltimore. So that's where I grew up. Nice. And what were we like as a kid? What was I like as a kid? Yeah. I was very I was very well behaved until I <laughs> played uh Michael number 1 in the after school theater program uh Peter Pan production. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um and once I started going on stage and like having lines, I just sort of like uh spiraled, I guess you could you say. You knew you were I- a star. <laughs> Maybe so. Uh, And I stopped being so well behaved Uh and I became very much like the chatterbox. I remember in middle school, there was like, I was sent out of class a lot just because I couldn't, I couldn't stop talking. And there was one time my math teacher, Mr. Ko, made me go sit in the math supply closet because I had seen a, a spider and I, I screamed at the top of my lungs and he thought that I was like making some dumb joke, but a spider had, you know, descended yeah. uh, from the ceiling of the classroom onto me. And uh, even as like a seventh grader, I, I felt the deep sense of irony of me being locked <laughs> in like a math supply closet. Yeah. So the drama has always been a part of you, it sounds like. Definitely. I was very like my sister. Uh, what's that? Song? You know, 
uh, I can do that. That yeah, was from, very much mm-hmm. like yeah, my yeah. other way into being on stage, which was like my sister's dance studio. They needed a Fritz. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how many a gay man is made. It's so, so true. Mm-hmm. So where did you end up going to undergrad? Um, I went to undergrad at NYU for musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, a little tish? A little tish. <laughs> what, what, what was that experience like? What, which which uh, wing were you a part of? Uh, which wing? Yeah, at Tisch, which, which, which school? Oh, what the, I was in the new studio. It was the first uh-huh. year of the new musical theater program there that replaced Cap 21. Um, Rest in peace. <laughs> I guess. I, <laughs> I never like knew much about it, but... I knew a lot of people who went through Cap 21 and they had an experience. The Cap 21 kids like hated us because uh, like Tish like directed all its money and all its energy like on this first class. Mm-hmm. Um, and they we had some very successful people come out of uh, that uh, financial investment. Anyone, um, any, any names we might know? Uh, I was in class with uh, Jelani Aladdin who played uh-huh. uh, Kristoff and Frozen and- right, right. Uh, what's his fu- uh ari ariel satchel who won the tony for whatever what was that musical called no i don't remember the one with tony shalhoub but um, so, um i i the band's visit the, the band's visit yeah i yeah I was so you know good it. for them <laughs> right of course and some of us went on to become you know delightful cross-dressers absolutely absolutely as as you do but i so, honestly i found it very stifling i didn't I didn't want to be like uh, the musical theater persona that I was being asked to be. Sure. You know, I think a lot of drag queens relate to that where it's like the roles that you're asked to play in theater are so, um, mm, so much about playing them is about hiding the fact that you are femme. <laughs> right. And uh, I realized very quickly that that was going to be a very boring were, were you life. getting typecast? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't complain. Like, I was often, like, cast as sort of, like, the young man in love. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, truly, like, the directions that I would get, like, in school, but also, like, I I worked for a little bit as, like, uh, as an actor um, before I gave up. It was just, like, all... Um, all the directions concerned like, well, your hand in that scene was a little, you know, like- Oh no. And, and, you know, I get that that's what it, that's what it takes to, you know, make that believable. Right. Um, and certain people I think are just more able to, to do that, to Absolutely. pull that off. Mm-hmm. So while you were in New York, did you go out and explore the nightlife scene, get to see the New York drag scene at all? No. Why not? Why not? I I know it's kind of like weird, but I, well, as a student, I, where would we go? I don't remember where we went. I was so, so drunk as a undergraduate (laughs) student at NYU and so self-centered that I wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have noticed any drag queen that I would now probably love to see perform uh, walking by me. I have one memory of a drag queen pouring a shot down my mouth, my gullet. Do you know where? We can we can try to figure out who it, it could have been. It was at G Lounge. Okay, okay, G Lounge. So that's a while, a while ago. 
it, it is that not that doesn't exist um i mean whatever i don't care. i mean there, there are a lot of uh, venues that at this point don't exist course, because you know covid of course uh yeah a lot of stuff here has closed stuff that was maybe on its way out but right. certainly accelerated machine um, so so drag you didn't get the drag itch while you were in new york but you went to you moved to boston for grad school mm-hmm. i i moved to boston for grad school because i had i in new york i had a very hard time putting myself out there with things you know every everything's bigger and better and faster in new york yeah. as i as you know and i i was just like intimidated to take risks um so I really benefited from making that grad school change, uh, but I think it's less grad. It was less grad school and more just a, a different city. Sure. Um, and I knew I had it in my mind. Like I was like, when I get to Boston, I'm gonna I'm gonna try drag. And it was like I lived here for three days before I I went out uh, looking like a mess to some club that was not appropriate for me to be in drag. Fair, fair. So <laughs> you and I are the opposite. I went to school in Boston and I was like, four years, I'm done. Peace out. And I came right to New York. Really? Where did you, what? I went, I studied stage management at the Boston University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First, I mean, it's a, it's a great town to go to school, I imagine. It's yes. very manageable. I mean, just from like, from moving to New York as a student uh, at 18, I was just like from the first week I was overwhelmed by it um yeah in a way that surprised me as like a suburban gay who thought you know that I was the star is born from Annie you know right like, not star star to be <laughs> so so you're in Boston three days you're like Let, let's go to a club and drag did you have your name ready or were you just playing around at that point? I had three I had three With names three okay to go uh but i you know i had been planning i sure. had been uh so i had i had some stuff i had thrifted some stuff i had bought some overpriced unstyled wigs um which i sort of like stacked on sure my of head because i thought that's what that meant um and so i was either going to be uh patty bourree uh who's he, what's it or uh, <laughs> uh, Edie St. Patrick Bidet, which is a, huh? uh, you know, if you know the, the poet Edna St. Vincent Millay, I don't know what, I, you know, that was my intellectual option. Highbrow high option. Yes, exactly. Um, and I presented them to three, I was alone. I knew no one in the city, which, which certainly informed my ability to feel that bold. Sure. Um, and, I asked like people I was standing in line with like what they what they thought of the three and they were like Patty Bourree and I was like you know what I was leaning towards it anyway. So where where did Patty Bourree come from? How how did you decide that pun is perfect for me? Well, um, I can't re like remember exactly. It just sort of popped into my head. And what I really liked about it is that out of drag, my name is Patrick Burr mm -hmm. and it plays on like dance stuff, which like I said, is kind of how I got into performance. Um, so it just like encapsulated a lot about me and bourre in French, it, it's the, the pas de bourre is the step of the drum. Right. And, you know, I felt that at the time. 
it's, hey, it works. <laughs> and it's it's a funny, punny name, and it works for your style of drag. Thank you so much. Now, how would you describe Patty in three words? In three words? Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, she's manic. Uh, musical, obviously. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> Mar- is there another M? Let's go with another M. Manic musical. Uh, um, maligned. Sure, let's go with that. How that works. Always talking shit about Patty. <laughs> so, how long does it take to transform into Patty? Like an hour and a half. Not too bad. Not too bad. Do you That's have any favorable. have any traditions while you get ready? Um. Well, recently I have acquired quite a large record collection. So, that's oh, very nice. That very I really nice. like. I really like to listen to to that as I'm getting into drag. It just it puts me into the time period that I am often trying to emulate. And you know, I have a lot of Barbara, which I love. I have Judy. I have Liza. I have musicals. I just got my first Dolly <laughs> record, which is Ooh. very hard to find. You don't that's fun. Wh- which one? It is in the good old days. Parentheses when times were bad. Um, there you go. And it's great. Do you have any favorite makeup products? Like if, if you were like, I want to be sponsored by this company, who, 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 what do you, what do you love? No, no makeup company's ever going to sponsor me. You never uh, know. <laughs> Maybe you'll get like a free box one day and you got to do a, a unboxing. Oh, um, <laughs> I I still have like elf blush, you know, like I <laughs> I I don't really get too fancy. I have a little lime crime uh palette that I love. Maybe that. Uh All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you go to a club, you're you're playing around with drag. When did you officially start performing as a drag artist? Um I had been doing it for about three months when I mm-hmm. went to one of the open stage shows, which was at Machine. And um, do you remember where it, you performed? Of course. It was, I lip synced the, the greatest star. Naturally. Now, Unedited. So it was like. <laughs> so move, wait, movie version or a stage version? The movie version. So it's like, uh, it's like a five minute sequence and yeah. like didn't, didn't edit it at all. And I, the true sign of a baby queen is like, a long ass performance. Yep. <laughs> but I have, at least I, levels. Did you have levels? Did I I use the levels? There's a there's a stage uh-huh, and uh-huh. there's a huge uh dance floor at machine which everyone stands around. So you have like all of this space which if you are um a queen who doesn't dance a lot which despite my dance based name I'm, I'm not a queen who dances a lot it's very difficult to <laughs> fill that space but you know I I acted it and yeah. I ran up on stage I was I falling all over the place like it was fun. I was very very intoxicated and I almost <laughs> I almost threw up oh no uh, it was right at the part where she's like I'm the greatest star. Like, so I was just like, like 
having all this tension in my body, just like, do not throw up. Because if I had thrown up, that that would have been the end. I never would have. Or it would have been the beginning that you would have been known as the puke queen. And then you could There's have been too many puke queens in Boston already. Uh oh. Okay. We'll 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 worry about them <laughs> soon. I'm sure. Who were some of the first people that helped you out in your drag journey? Um. <laughs> uh, well, so I was working at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. Okay. Uh, right before I moved to New York, in between. Sorry, Boston. In between living in New York and Boston, and the. I was, it was very private. Like I was like putting on wigs at night, like, and like yeah. doing my makeup. And I was teaching the summer camps there. And it happened that a uh, pre-New York Kiki Ball change right. was in the, did you already know this? Is this I, I knew there was a connection. I didn't know the <laughs> official story. Yeah. So uh, she was in the production of Annie that they were doing, which is- As Annie? Strange. <laughs> she wishes she was <laughs> I don't know what she was in it uh I don't remember the performance uh so she uh, did my she did my makeup one day <laughs> and it was really bad oh no um, photo summer right yeah but it was like really great to like connect with um somebody else who is you know getting into drag she was still very new yeah um yeah so that's the that's the kiki ball change patty bourree alabama story <laughs> nice um yeah. who else that and then i met people in boston who helped a lot um who i'm still friends with so nice who are some of your inspirations when it comes to drag definitely barbara uh-huh. uh for like the first year of drag, pretty much what I did was lip sync Barbara Streisand songs or cut different things into Barbara Streisand songs. It was like all Barbara based uh-huh. mixes Naturally. and stuff. Um, Judy, of course, I love Judy. Gar- I listen to uh, Judy at Carnegie Hall. Like when I run, I listen to mm-hmm. it when I do my makeup. Uh, so I'm, I'm just really inspired unapologetically because it's so you know cliche but uh they're both just such amazing performers uh stage presence yeah because they're just very natural they're they don't have to do much to get to get you captivated and it's all about it's all about the storytelling and their vulnerability and their talent and those are the performers in drag or or otherwise that i resonate with most how would you describe the Boston drag scene? Um, I think it's great. It's it's very welcoming to new performers. Mm-hmm. It was very easy for me to start here, and it's small, so um, you meet everyone really quickly. Uh, another aspect of that kind of the size of the scene is that there's a lot of diversity of style sure and not a lot of places to go so a boston drag show in includes everything i feel like there aren't you know it's it's the spooky and the the singing you know it's it's everything all kind of mashed together in one as opposed you come to new york each area has a certain style of drag you're going to go see Mm, yeah exactly like yeah 
where are some of the your favorite venues to perform when you were able to perform live um well machine was kind of like a watering hole for us that was it fun to go there especially on nights there there were some nights um when like you would see almost everyone in the scene there or like so that was that was always really nice um uh we had just started a show, me and my my friend Atlas and Marianne LaPoutine had started a show called Live from the Clearance Rack at Bill's Bar, which was more of like a variety show cabaret. Mm-hmm. And I was really loving that venue. It had a nice stage. Uh, a lot of the venues in Boston don't have good like stage sure. set up. So it was, I mean, I fell off that stage at our last Oh no. Show. <laughs> it was like the last show before things ended up closing down the last show I did and I was like sitting on the side I was sitting on an amp that was on the side of the stage oh god it's a short stage like a foot and a half maybe two feet off the ground and my heel the front of my heel caught on like a piece of like like a big splinter you know on the stage Uh it's a it's a great safe venue uh and I just was like flung forward as I went to step off the stage uh and like cracked my rib oh no yes and for the first two weeks of quarantine I was like uh in bed like so you you had a self-quarantine already Yes, I was actually sort of grateful for it because I didn't yeah. know how I was going to continue to meet all my commitments. Obviously, exactly. it to be, you know, two years long, but. So when someone goes to a Boston drag show, what mm-hmm. can they expect? Do they or do you guys f- focus more on standalone songs, mixes, all the above? What What mm-hmm. is a drag show in Boston? Um. Like I said, you're going to get a lot of different, a lot of different types of things. Sure. Uh, I think most of our events are very like community centric. So I think, I think you're going to feel that when you come. Uh, Something that I don't, I don't know how unique this is to Boston, but we have like, we do a lot of like recording our own voices and putting them into mixes, like, like making our own spoken word instead of like finding a reference. Like sure. there's not a lot of that like New York sort of like YouTube video uh-huh. mixes, which are like really amazing, but we, uh, it, it's sort of you a bizarre make your own. style. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Very, very self-aware. Yes. Oh, very. Well, and that's, I think the nature of a small scene too, is that like, it's very self-referential. You can make jokes that are very specific and sure. an outsider is going to be like, what are they talking about? <laughs> is, is it a competitive scene? I, uh, I don't think so. No. Uh, it's, it's much more like community focused. Of That's course, good. like it's drag and there are limited opportunities. Uh, so absolutely. It, it, get, it gets competitive, but I wouldn't that's not like a defining characteristic of the scene for me is it clicky at all or is it like one big Boston family it it's clicky yeah <laughs> that's fair hey um, it happens everywhere yeah they, I to me it's kind of defined by a sort of like old guard that's been doing drag for 10 years or more sure. 
and there's sort of like the newer sort of like drag race baby boom sure uh but there are so many events pre-quarantine especially where all those people were mixed up in one nice so yeah digital drag took over 2020 and you've participated in a few events how has that experience been for you what are the positives negatives of doing drag in a digital format uh yeah i was i've submitted like a couple videos to like sort of like more traditional looking digital drag shows you know it's video after video right you know performer after performer uh I don't find that very fun or rewarding, uh, especially if the video has to be specific to a theme that is not necessarily something that I am all that interested anyway. So I don't do a whole lot of that. What I love about digital drag is the um, kind of attention that you're getting from the audience, kind of focus attention is what I mean. Like, So you can do a lot more storytelling, which can be difficult in certain venues to have people follow a narrative with you, um, especially at like a noisy kind of like club gig. But so I love things with digital drag that are more uh, long form. Um, the, The thing that I'm most proud of from this time is the Baratica show that I did, which was a, uh, a Chromatica parody um, drag show. It was a little bit of like a play. It was sort of about like my hatred of Lady Gaga sort of melting away into an appreciation of, you know, uh, that she's like dumb and fun. Yeah. Uh, And it's easier to like her than to hate her. Uh, And so I really, I really enjoyed doing that. And it allowed me to kind of uh, show a lot of different aspects of what I can do and aspects of myself. Uh, all in one show. So let, let, let's dissect this show a little bit further. When did you decide, okay, I hate Lady Gaga? <laughs> very, I was like, literally my... <laughs> what? No, because like, I, I've not heard many people say they hate Lady Gaga. It's, it's more like for fun, you know? Gotcha, like, gotcha, I, okay. I, I, I don't find myself at home seething. But as an 18 year old, like when Born This Way first came out, I wrote a a paper for school about how like, we're not born this way. Like, like, she she thinks like, she's like a gay icon, but like, I get to decide if she's a gay icon. Okay, that's fair. Uh, So there was like that kind of feeling for me, uh, which with like maturity, I feel less defined by the people who the culture tells me I'm defined by, so. I, I don't have that hang up about her anymore. Fair, fair. And like, I really respect uh, her work. I'm talking like as if she's listening and like make it. You offended. never know. Like, she might listen. <laughs> um, But yeah, so it's. <laughs> it's it, it knows. I think this is really interesting because you've taken someone that you don't, don't necessarily love and create an entire show around it. Yeah, it, I. It was really fun too. I don't do a lot of parodies of like contemporary pop songs. So uh-huh. it was it was fun to re- to write in that style and parody that style as well. Right. Um and like my 
the that album resonated with me so much because of like or what got me so excited about it was the kind of like bullshit uh self-reflection that is one of my like favorite things to laugh out about Gaga is like she's always just like going through something like yeah Joanne like with Joanne like I thought I could save my father but Chromatica is really about how I realized I couldn't save my father and the only person I needed to save was myself and it's like like so fake to me but that's fair that's fair that's kind of what makes it like great I don't know. So, okay, now, Barbara, Judy, Gaga, do you have a favorite, A Star is Born? Uh, Judy, Judy. Okay. Right. Uh, for all my Barbara stanship, I think that her Star is Born is an awful movie. I think the Gaga one is better. <laughs> I would agree. I, 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 I agree. So you take Chromatica, you put your own stamp on it. What was the reception by the audience? I think people really, really liked it. I I think it was sort of an unexpected model of the of digital drag show. Like sure. I was very nervous when it started playing because the first three or four numbers w- were just me. And right. uh <laughs> I think I already part of my persona is that I'm kind of uh self-involved and a bit of a diva the character of patty bure of course i would never of course, be those, of course those sorts of things uh so i was very nervous that the perception was going to be like that i'm full of myself and so i did a show where no one else was in it but i think once 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 it got going uh, and people understood like what i was kind of trying to do yeah uh, they were very on board yeah i think that's that's the charm of it is like Chromatica, Baratica, it works. It's funny. Uh, and even even the marketing of it, I think it, it made it surrounds and people were like, okay, what is this? I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. It, you With, gotta kind of like, if you're going to do something different, just commit to it. And absolutely. Let, you know, people will get on board. Absolutely. I mean, sucks. With that, you, you've also shared so many other brilliant uh, videos on Instagram, including uh, your Dragula parody. Um, it's brought a lot of smiles to viewers. Why was it important for you to create these videos in the time of COVID? Uh, so the the Dragula parody is the like the first uh, time I ever sang in drag. It was actually like uh, a year and a half ago when Violencia had first had just gotten announced as a as a right. Dragula cast member um and so that one was it was fun to make because uh I I like that parody and I wanted yeah. to and I and it's something that I've that I've performed that has really resonated with people and uh during COVID I'm I do see us drag performers as, you know, the sort of clowns that can bring a smile to people's faces sure. during during a lot of stress. Uh, that's kind of always how I've seen my role as a person. So now more than ever. Absolutely. Et cetera, et cetera. We're going to play a game. It's called This okay. or That. I'm okay. going to give you a few options. You're going to tell me which one you prefer. All right. All right. Hot or cold? Cold. Modern or vintage? Vintage. 
Text or call? Uh, call. Vanilla or kinky? <laughs> mm, kinky. Boots or heels? Boots. <laughs> Broadway or West End? Broadway. Sing or dance? Sing. Candor and Ebb or Pasek and Paul? Uh, Candor and Ebb. Sondheim or Schwartz? Sondheim. Come on. Roxy or Velma? Mm. That's the hardest one you've had. <laughs> am I a Roxy or am I a Velma? Uh, Roxy. Kristen Chenoweth or Adina Menzel? Adina. Patty Lapone or Bernadette Peters? Bernadette Peters. Bean Town or the Big Apple? New York. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. That that was this for that. <laughs> I love to learn about everyone's signature number. If I were to go to a Patty Beret show, what is the signature number that I am going to see and that the audience was audience is going to beg for? Beg for? Uh well, I guess I would say I I do. I usually still open a set with "Greatest Star." Um, that's more geared towards. Uh, that's more geared towards like a straight mm-hmm. audience, I would say. Um, and and the the Dragula parody. If I were, if it were like a sort of like audience with a with high like drag knowledge, I mm-hmm. would. I would do that for sure. Do the Boston audiences have an appreciation for Broadway and show tunes? Because obviously the New York audience is like, it's a thing that happens. It's so on the one hand, I feel like I don't have to dig as deep Mm -hmm. uh, for my references as I might have to do if I were performing in New York. Like greatest star is for a drag queen, not exactly a deep cut. Like not at all. (laughs) So um it's nice to be able to do those sorts of numbers and not feel like I'm in anybody else's territory sure. than my own uh when don't run on my parade is a novelty number as a theater queen that's like <laughs> kind of lucky on the other hand I do I think have to sort of work to contextualize it in a way that uh a Boston a less theater loving audience can appreciate. And of course there are plenty of theater gays in Boston. Are there um, other theater queens? Um, well, Raquel, there's Raquel Surprise. I mm-hmm. would say Raquel and I are two of the only ones that I would think would really like take that label and mm-hmm. be like, yes, absolutely. So if like um, Defying Gravity comes on, you you have you have a, a Glinda somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. What is your inspiration when you decide uh, numbers you're going to perform? Is it a mood? Is it for the audience? What? How do you go about d- picking your repertoire? I feel like it's it's stress. <laughs> like I sometimes if I'm like, oh, I have a show in four weeks, like I 
that needs something specific. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Two days before I'm like, I know exactly what it is, but it's going to take a week of work to put together. So then I'm like scrambling to, uh, uh, to get it worked out. But I think that's kind of like the energy of drag that makes it great. Do you like performing top 40? No. Uh, I, I'm really a person who like, people are like, do you know the song blah? And I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, come on. Yes, you do. You've heard it. You just don't know it. And then they put it on and I'm like, I really don't know it. It, (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. (laughs) There are moments as a drag queen where that is not great, not a great quality. (laughs) But hey, listen, if you know your niche, you go for it and you you stay with it. (laughs) What song from 2020 are you, if you were asked to do, are you least prepared, least excited to perform that you know audiences are going to beg for? (laughs) What would I be least prepared to perform? Yeah, like what do you not what do you not want to hear? What do you not want to uh, I I uh, any of those Taylor Swift <laughs> saw I would be at a, a, a at a complete loss. I uh, hope no one requests those Taylor Swift songs from those two albums because they're so boring. It's not drag music. Yeah, I don't but like I'm I know that there have been a lot of albums from the last year. Yeah. Uh, really the only one that I know is Chromatica. So if that Ariana album is coming on, if that Dua Lipa album is coming on, <laughs> I I wouldn't know. What you to run do. away. I know. And I would have nothing to, to, I don't have any, there's no talent that I have that I can do in a, that's fair. In like unplanned lip sync moment like that. That's fair. That's fair. We're going to play the cameo game show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess Ooh. who costs more. Okay, okay. And that's these fun. are all theater people. Oh. So hopefully, hopefully you know most of them, all of them will see. All right. This one's loose theater, but they both performed on Broadway. Who costs more, Justin Guarini or Constantine Morales? Uh, Justin Guarini. Yep, Justin Guarini is 100. Constantine is 50. And that's high for Constantine. (laughs) I agree. Next up is Adam Pascal or Anthony Rapp. Oh, Adam Pascal costs more. They're actually both $50. The same as Constantine. (laughs) I feel like they could get 75. I think so. Maybe, who knows? Next up is Kevin Chamberlain or Donna Lynn Chaplin. I don't, I, I don't know them. Uh, Kevin Chamberlain was in The Addams Family. Um, he was Horton for, in Susicle. Um, He's been on uh, some TV shows. Donna Lynn Chaplin was uh, Pirelli in the uh, revival of Sweeney Todd. Uh, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, she's on that show. Oh, then him. Um, yeah, no. Kevin Chamberlain is one thirty nine. Donalyn Chaplin was seventy five. One. Th- why are they so expensive? Because they've appeared on TV. I, yeah, well, no. maybe it's like a you know. There's probably a certain like algebra to. No, there's absolutely there's none. They pick their own prices. <laughs> All right. Next up is Lorna Luft or Cheryl Lee Ralph. 
It, it must be Lorna. Lorna is one twenty-five. Cheryl Lee Ralph is a hundred. Not me. Now I'm like, should I get a cameo from Lorna Lux? I don't know. <laughs> I would. Okay. Next up is Kate Rockwell or Taylor Latterman. Latterman. Um, I've only heard of the second one. I'm gonna say Taylor Louderman. She is 55. Kate Rockwell is 65. Is that do you, is that fair? Um, I mean they're both mean girls, but I I, I think oh. Kate Rockwell's been around a little for more. All right. Next up. Andrea McArdle or Tova Felchu? Andrea McArdle. Yep, $100. Tova Felchu is uh, only $50. Next up is Laura Osnes or Nikki M. James. Laura Osnes. Yep, $89. Nikki M. James is $40. Next up, we have the Battle of the Hairsprays. Nikki Blonsky or Marissa Jarrett Winoker? <laughs> I don't think Nikki Blonsky, like... It's charging very much. So what I never, that is a name that I only saw as a child and I never said out loud. Marissa. <laughs> Marissa Jarrett Winoker. Yes. She costs more. She is $50. Nikki Blonsky is 40. As it should be. Next we have Carrie Butler or Laura Bell Bundy. Hmm. I think Laura Bell Bundy costs more. That's correct. $100. Carrie Butler is 79 Next, we have Leah Delaria or Jackie Hoffman. Leah Delaria. Yep, Leah is 100. Jackie Hoffman is 30. Paige Davis or Leslie Kritzer. Paige Davis, everyone knows from Trading Spaces. Leslie Kritzer was recently on uh, uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, the Trading Spaces one. No, she's 35. Leslie Kritzer is 75. Um, next, we have two newsies, either Ben Frankhauser or Corey Cott. Corey Cott. Yep, Corey Cott, 75. Ben Frankhauser, 65. Battle of the Spouses, Orfe or Andy Carl? Orfe. They're actually both 75, or you can get one, I think, for 75 with both of them. They sat down at the kitchen table. They said, what are we charging for our cameos? Literally. And finally... How much can you get a Debbie Allen cameo for? $150. Oh. She was like, I did uh, Christmas on the Square. I get more money now. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Did you How see high Kate? did they go? Like oh, you. Uh, I think like Caitlyn Jenner is like $1,000. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke is $1,000, but I think that's kind of worth it. Dick Van Dyke? Right. Cameo is a wonderful, crazy place. <laughs> it just makes me sad, but... <laughs> right. Why is drag important to the community? Mm. I think that that drag performers are still sort of like talisman for people in the community. They're like, they create an energy in spaces that that liberates them. Nice, I like that. How important is social media in the drag scene today and should it affect drag the way it does? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously very 
very important. Um, I think that it's a, a mistake to put too much, to judge the value of a drag performer too much by their following. I say this sure. as, you know, someone with a, you know, a modest Boston-based following. Right. Because uh, I, I think it is the, it has very little to do with what they can do in the room um, live. Mm -hmm. I, it, I think it gives you a good sense of what they can do like in a digital drag platform. Sure. But I mean, the skill that I value in myself most and in other performers most is what can they do in front of an audience in real time? Um, and I don't think it has much to do with that. That's fair. So you have done a couple theater drag hybrid shows based like with your the um uh married with children show mm. how else can you can theater and drag be married into a singular platform yeah uh it's something that i i think about a lot something that i would like to do more of um i certainly think like drag cabaret has a lot mm -hmm. of like theatrical sort of influence um that that's a medium I really like. I, I, I think that drag can be anywhere that that theater is. Mm -hmm. So whether it's theater for young audience, uh, is an interesting place for drag. I think, um, yeah. So when the world opens up again, do you have like a dream project that you're ready to put live on stage? What What do you want to create next? <laughs> well, I would love to do the Baratica Ball. Okay, uh, okay. I would love to create a live version of that show. Um, yeah, I have, I have some uh, like more like drag plays that I have been working on that I mm. that I think kind of need a, a live venue. So I'm sitting on some ideas like that. Um, That's cool. Yeah, that Is are it sort something. Of like Mm -hmm. Well, is it, is it something that you want to like just keep in Boston or, or do you want to like tour the country with drag theater? Oh, I would love, I would, you know, love to expand my audience. I, I'm finishing up grad school at the end of this, uh, at the end of this semester. So congratulations. Thank you. Well, I have to, you know, do the Get work first, first yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of need to follow where the best work is for me. So I, I kind of don't know where I will be by the end of this year. Do you want, would you like to stay in Boston with the roots you've already established or are you ready to find a new home? Um, yeah, it's hard. Like if I found, I would be happy to stay here uh, if I found the, you know, the right kind of job. Uh, sure. And I mean like non-drag jobs. It's a like a theater education uh, program, uh, like community engaged sort of right. theater program. So I would want to be working for a theater company or for a school. Um, so that's kind of takes the priority in some ways. So absolutely depend on that. Is there a theatrical dream role that you want to perform in drag? Mm, so many. Uh, there's so many. Uh, I, of course, I have my funny girl fantasy, but it's not something that I would legitimately cast myself as. Mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, it's a dream. Jewish, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't think it would it would be right. Uh, 
I would, I mean, Mrs. Lovett, of course, is like, I feel like on everybody's drag list. I love uh, Gypsy. So, I mean, I have like multiple roses turn mixes. Hey, I uh, feel like you have a show in brewing right here. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, I'm Dolly. Hello, Dolly is like my one of my favorite. Yeah. Things. Um, so I would love to do that. Those are some iconic roles. I don't know. I feel like you have like a diva show right there. They're all like for a 40 year old or 50 hey. year old woman, which is kind of the brand, you know? <laughs> exactly. Well, we are about to enter tea time where mm. you are going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, people you shared a poster with, people you shared a photo with, people you may have interacted once. We're going to find out some I'm... tea on them. You are you ready to spill? Yeah, I'm. I'm sure I'm... you're gonna love everybody. So we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna. You mentioned her already. We're gonna kick off. Do you have any tea on Miss Kiki Ball Change? No, I don't have any. I don't have any tea. Uh, I think she's great. I mean, I admire her so much aesthetically. I admire what she does politically. I admire her performances. So. There you go. That's tea. Next up, Poison Envy. Oh, uh, she, <laughs> she's a weirdo. Uh, when we did, we did Married with Children together. We've done various, like, you know, shows together. She's always doing something <laughs> bizarre, <laughs> which I love. So, Absolutely. and she moved and I didn't even know it. Yeah, so that's to Jersey. Quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is Atlas. Atlas uh, is wigs by Atlas. If for all your wig needs, all your braids and your teasing, and she's a uh, she's an incredible drag artist, makeup, wigs, and um, totally insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Marianne Laputain. Uh, Marianne is we. She's the other uh, part of the live from the clearance rack trio. Um, <laughs> everyone should follow Marianne Laputain because she is someone whose follower count does not reflect how amazing she is as a drag artist. Um, she's disgusting. Uh, <laughs> the first two months of uh, knowing her, I didn't hear a single word that she said because she, she mumbles too much, but you know, I'm working on it with her. <laughs> Next up, Randy Extra Extra. Yeah, Ra Randy is a Worcester-based drag performer um, who is like one of the most generous, kind people who I've interacted with in the drag world. Next, we have Candy Dish. Candy's a bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, she is someone who uh, pushes drag and theater together pushes what a drag show can be which is something i i really respect but uh yeah Good next we <laughs> next we have coleslaw coleslaw is another boston based drag queen who is like incredibly visionary with what drag can be their uh show time warp um which is one of the shows on the serve network which is like a mm. boston based uh, 
digital drag channel on Twitch, the serve network uh, is the Showtime Warp is so cool. She is so respectful of the performers that she hires to do her shows and makes sure that they are introduced and framed in a way that makes them look amazing and helps the audience uh, understand the performance. Uh, I love working with her and I love the show she makes. Next up we have Neon Calypso. Neon is another host over at the the Serve Network, and um, she's incredible. She's an amazing performer. Amazing yep. performer. I'm I'm waiting for Neon Calypso to get the call for the Drag Race, but I don't know what they're waiting truly, for. Truly, truly, I don't know what they're waiting for. Uh, a lip sync assassin, she would be absolutely. Next, <laughs> Valencia. Valencia is another host at the Serve Network. Uh, um, like the, the most famous drag queen in Boston right now. She, I, one of the first people who I saw when I started going out, like many people, many Boston drag performers would say that, um, because she was everywhere hosting shows. She offers a lot of open stages uh, before the pandemic happened, which is makes which makes the the scene very accessible to new performers. And that's great. Would you jump out of a plane? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I wish she had to. <laughs> I know. She, she would She would have been so good. Okay. Well, next yeah. up, Veronica <laughs> Vandersnatch. Oh, another uh I didn't another theater queen based in Boston. Um and arguably has like the biggest fan base in Boston. She has a group of friends that if Veronica is in the show, there are like 30 uh, <laughs> thirty gay men who are cheering for Veronica Vandersnatch. We love it. And that's how you get an audience. That's cool. Yeah. Next up is Kirby Fully Loaded. Kirby is incredible. Uh, before the pandemic, Kirby was becoming like one of the main showrunners, mm-hmm. if, if that's a term we use, uh, in the Boston scene. And she knows how to put together a lineup and that it will be entertaining and diverse, exciting. And she's a great performer herself and very beautiful of face. <laughs> Absolutely. Next up, Plain Jane. Oh, God. <laughs> Me and Plain Jane have a, a have a special <laughs> relationship where we are just mean to each other, but very talented, very beautiful. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Next is Georgia Flu. Georgia is my roommate, along with uh, Missy Steak. Uh... <sighs> <laughs> That's it. That's all the tea ready to spill. <laughs> They're my roommates. Like we we share everything. Uh, I've been Georgia is the main person who I've seen this year. Like Missy moved in in September, and me and Georgia have been stuck in this fucking apartment together since March. So, like I love her. She's my she's my real sis. Well, we're gonna end up end with Missy Steak. I mean, another bitch. Uh, another. <laughs> uh, we uh, host a bunch of shows together, uh, or did. Um, she lives here. She loves incense. 
Hey, I a good candle. I'll take it every day. Would the three of you ever do a show together in quarantine in your apartment? You know, I've thought about it. We we tried to start a podcast once uh-huh, called, Bo- uh-huh. <laughs> called Boston Baked Queens. Uh, okay, cute name. I like it. Yeah, it was a cute name, and that was about it. <laughs> um, I it's a lot of it's a lot of camp comedy blonde queen energy in one show, but. <laughs> Maybe someday we'll we'll pull it together and do something. Uh, I, I, it just feels like the Andrew sisters right there. You, you got it. Oh, they can't sing, Michael. <laughs> lip syncing. Everyone can lip sync. Mm. <laughs> okay. Let's say the call comes. You have to get ready. Who do you pick to do for Snatch Game? Um, well, first I have to call Atlas to have her make me a thousand wigs uh who do i do for snatch game uh i think that a judy a judy garland can be done for snatch game Uh, absolutely i it's it's another it's one of those i think that people are intimidated to tackle and i think it's also one that people think can't be done respectfully you know like it gets into that whitney houston territory um so I think Judy would be a great option. In my my second and third choice, I think would be uh, I would love to do Leah Michelle. Oh uh, boy! And I would love to do uh, Leah Remini. See, I feel like that one has so much material already there. Oh yes. Uh, I, <laughs> after I watched the Scientology, like I binged like the two seasons of the Scientology yeah. show, I could do the voice, but that was like a year ago. So I, w- you know, if I got the call, I would need to refresh. I would Absolutely, refresh start start getting ready. ready. Do Do you I have aspirations to... for the Drag Race? I think that anyone who says otherwise is is lying or. De- doesn't yeah. feel ready to say that out loud. I, of course, like it's it's too big of an opportunity. Uh, you know, the, these the the platforms go from nothing to you know, woo, uh, huge celebrities. So right. it's a That's risk fair. worth taking. It's worth auditioning for. Absolutely. Um, and I think I would be good at the challenges. Yeah, and I think you'd be fun during confessionals too. <laughs> I would be bad at the lip syncs though. I would not be the lip sync. This this episode, this first episode is like my worst drag nightmare. Yeah. Did what you a- did you know any of those songs? Would you be able to pass with any of them? I well, I haven't watched it yet, but I okay. pretty much know. Uh not really. I mean, I could go like when I grow up, I want to be famous. I want to be in movie. Like I could yeah. I could hit those sort of tags, but other than that. I would be dancing around, which like, I don't, you know, I could kind of maybe turn out the sort of like the Jackie Cox, like it's a pop yeah. song, but my eyes are crazy. You know, like yeah. I might might try that tactic, but I think I would be fucked. I would be in the pork chop uh, loading dock room, <laughs> oh, <laughs> whatever God. it is. Okay, so you've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching? Uh, the View from like 2003. Okay. Uh, interviews uh with like old hollywood movie stars um do you have a favorite view panelist of all time 
I mean, I like the the Elizabeth Hasselback and Rosie O'Donnell moment. I watch it like every once in a while because I think it is like if I were creating a time capsule, like there is so much in that like five minutes of TV that is yeah that represents like what the culture is right now right now too like not just then like there it's like it's just like this like transcendent moment for me in the culture yeah it was it was definitely one of the most memorable moments of the view history i mean i'm a fan <laughs> of the view um i i've always loved nicole wallace i think she should have been there longer i don't know why they got mm. rid of her um but like i don't know if you see, saw the picture from yesterday where they're interviewing Raphael warnock and literally they're all smiling except for megan mccain who's got the stank face on you're like bitch look at the room read the room i do like i have i have some like sympathy for all of them because i they it's so i can't imagine being on tv every day live talking about current events like right right now like there's no way you don't step in it every day which this is not an apology for megan mccain's politics or whatever but uh i that is a hard gig um, and especially when they're producers that even on a show like that are trying to like stir up drama, like it's a real housewives right. show. There's just no dignity in that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> it, but once, once there's a headline and it gets shared on Twitter, that's all they're looking for. Another season. You know who has go. a great uh, cameo advertisement? Raven who? Simone. I, I almost bought one. It was. It was, <laughs> it was what would so you have exciting. her say to you? What? What would you have her say to you? What do you want her to know. say? I don't know. I, I don't know. What, what do you have anybody say? Well, like, you? I mean, I got um, my friend uh, for when he got tenure for school, I got Devin Green to congratulate him on getting tenure. And she did her whole welcome to my home shtick. Oh. So you get them to say whatever you want. <laughs> I want like Raven Simone to just like tell me to believe in myself you know but start with she has a vision and then that that's her vision oh yeah <laughs> she had a vision and i'm doing an amazing uh leah remini voice there you go match game the season 16 edition uh <laughs> what is one personal fact about yourself that your fans wouldn't know hmm my fans may not know that uh, that I I have like a sort of like sentimental poetry like side. Like I love I write a little uh-huh. and I I read a lot of poetry. I think that's sort of an unexpected thing. Well, I like that. That's very sweet. That's very touching. Thank you. We're gonna do the pop five rapid fire. I'm gonna give you five pop culture news headline stories and you're going to give me word phrase story whatever you want to talk about for each they're easy don't worry they're, they're good they're good oh god all right number one grammys postponed until march 14th due to covid concerns good uh, fuck award shows they're boring there you go well, but would you host one if, if you got to call it a host one oh yeah drag. of course if the grammys would like me to host i'd be happy to you know provide that Hey, listen, I think the Tony should be hosted by drag queens. Why not? I mean, come on. We've got to get Trixie and Kati on the Golden Globes. That would be so fun. 
All right, number two is Ratatouille, the TikTok musical. Uh, very jealous that I am not involved in any way. I think that is the coolest thing. Who would you want to play in Ratatouille, the TikTok musical? Oh, oh goodness. Uh, I literally just watched some of it too with my, not the musical, but <laughs> the, the movie. movie with my nephews. Uh, I, I would, I would, I feel like I could turn out the rat. I'm ready to take on like- You're Remy? You ready to be Remy? Yeah, I, I'll be All the right. rat. Number three is MAGA attack on the Capitol. Uh, <laughs> bad. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I so like I was recording a podcast yesterday and I I told my guests, I was like, I'm keeping my TV on just to look at it. And there was one point where I just looked and she's like, what happened? I was like, someone just got carted out of that building. And it was it was just a wild fucking day. And I stayed up until like 3.30 to watch the official certification because I'm crazy like that, but... No, I was up late last night too because it was just so scary and I and it just felt like anything could happen as the as like right. the proceedings continued. Like And that's that's what was like it was one of those things where you want to be in the room where it happened and watch to see if what was going to happen hoping that nothing would. Right. Yeah. It's it's very troubling. It but is. not all that unexpected, you know, nope. like there were warning signs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Since number... Rosie O'Donnell and yep. Elizabeth Hasselback were arguing on the view, there have been warning signs. It's true. All right. Number four is Bridgerton. Excuse me? Bridgerton. Oh, oh no. in what way the... am I ignorant? Oh no. It is the new Netflix show produced by Shonda Rhimes. Oh, oh the my period God, piece. I thought you were gonna be like Bridgerton, like it's the scientist that invented the COVID <laughs> vaccine, you idiot. No. I mean, Shonda Rhimes could invent the COVID vaccine and we probably all would believe it. I haven't, I have not watched Bridgerton. Are you a period piece person? Uh, in the right moment, I haven't been able to get through the last couple seasons of The Crown, to be honest. It's just a little, it's just heavy, you know? Yeah. Well, this uh, is pure fucking soap opera. This is like, like sexy, dirty soap opera set in the period. Yeah, that's not that's not my thing, I don't think. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Well, <laughs> number five, the last one I have for you is The Prom. I didn't watch it. It was fine. It, it was cute. <laughs> I never got to see the musical. I know a lot of people were like obsessed with the musical. I was like, I missed it. Sorry. <laughs> what oh, have well. I been like? I'm like, what have I been watching? Like, I've, I've literally been watching. Yeah, what have you been watching? I've been watching America's Next Top Model. Like, that's. I, like the old I seasons? The past. Uh, what? Like the old seasons of the show. Yes, like the old seasons. Uh, yeah, so if you want to talk about, you know, what Tyra was doing in 2004, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to dish. All right. Well, I have a fan corner question for you. Fan? Who? Is it true that you once tried to murder Jacqueline Hyde with an axe? <laughs> Uh, and that was a question f- with an axe. With an axe. And this is no, a question from Jacqueline Hyde. <laughs> uh, Jacqueline Hyde tried to murder me with a sherry pie, but that's the only story. Ah! I know. Oh wow! Oh wow! So yeah. never tried to murder Jacqueline Hyde. Um, uh, no. All right, there it is on the record. Sorry, so my- Jacqueline. <laughs> 
I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question. Oh. And this is a question from Anita D. Mm-hmm. Her question is, what is the biggest challenge you face with your drag? Uh, well, Anita, right now it's lighting. <laughs> what do you use for lighting in your digital world? I have a ring light, but I don't like the quality of the ring, the ring light light. And so I yeah. have soft boxes that I just bought, which are bulky and uh-huh. they weren't too expensive, uh, you know, as compared to a ring light. But um, so I'm going to try those out. I just like it's it's hard to it's hard to manage it and be trying to you know get a shot it's right that i it's a juggling also making money uh that's the other <laughs> that's fair well now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question oh who is it you Does don't it get matter? to know you don't get to what? know so that you don't get to know so it's open-ended you can ask anything oh. yeah. um i would like to know what their concept would be for a one-person show. Okay, like a cabaret. Yeah, or like if they got that, like, that drag race challenge, make a one-person, like, gotcha. how would you approach right. that? Nice, I like that question. We here want to expand the Block Talk community. Who do you want to hear on a future episode of Block Talk? Uh... I think that you would like to talk to plain Jane. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll hit her up. That sounds like fun. Maybe she'll have real tea on you. <laughs> she gives good confessional. I bet. <laughs> well, where can we find you on social media and Venmo? Mm-hmm. Everything is Patty Bure, not the one who lives in Oklahoma who stole my name, uh, but Patty Bure, P-A-T-T-Y-B-O-U-R-R-E-E on Venmo, Cash App, um, but more importantly on Instagram and for the real T on Twitter. Ah, there we go. Well, it was such a pleasure chatting with you. I'm glad that we finally like made it happen. Yeah, this was a blast. The biggest thanks to Patty for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. <laughs>